This podcast proudly brought to you by Moss Shot Shells. Old school is back in season. Experience superior shells when you go with Boss Shot Shells. Their premium, non-toxic bismuth shells knock birds down so hard that the old guys might just think they're shooting lead again. Make sure you check out Boss Shot Shells for your next purchase of shotgun shells. Hey guys, I'm Jordan Fromer. I believe in hunting hard, hunting smart, and having a fun time while doing it. And shooting limits? Well, that's just the icing on the cake. I revel in the journey just as much as the successes it brings. From ducks to dogs to decoys and guns, we'll be talking tactics, strategies, and what it takes to get the job done. Load up and take aim. This is the Duck. What's going on, folks? Jordan here with a brief service announcement before we jump into the podcast. So, um, I need to uh, apologize for Elliot right here real quick, Um, just, you know, due to the um, mediocre audio quality we're having currently, and um, he's going through a move right now, so I'm super happy for him, he's getting a new awesome house, and he's super pumped about it, but currently he's lost his podcast recording room. Um, and once he gets to the new house, he's going to have a dedicated room. So all this kind of background noise that we hear, um, from time to time right now is going to go away. Um, but you know, we really appreciate you guys just kind of pushing through it. And, um, it's just an unfortunate reality of what's going on right now and not a lot we can do about it. Um, uh, he's got to record them from the kitchen. Um, we're just two regular guys. Um, he's got a family, uh, living in the house with him as well. Uh, so, you know, that doesn't necessarily help the situation, but, you know, as soon as he gets this house, the podcast quality is going to go back up as far as the audio. Um, and we apologize just, you know, with the background noise, you know, I know for most people it's probably not a big deal. And some people, if you're hypersensitive, um, you might, you know, uh, it might bug you just a little bit. So, uh, thanks again, guys, for suffering through that, pushing through that. And I hope you guys enjoy our first hunt update of the season. Alrighty, fellas, let's jump into it. What's going on, folks? I am Jordan, your host for the Duck Gun Podcast. And Elliot, freelance, gray beard from Freelance Duck Hunting. And we're here for another podcast. And today is um, the start of doing the hunt updates that we do every week. And this is something we're really excited about. Um, we did it last year. And, um, you know, it was one of our, our favorite things, one of our favorite formats for recording the podcast. You know, just going over our hunts from um, week to week and kind of sharing the, the story um, with you guys on that. So, um, how you doing this week, Elliot? I'm doing pretty good, but I feel like I'm the only person that I know that doesn't have any hunt <laughs> under their belt. Just me. Yeah, you you might. It might be the only person left in the country who hasn't hunted. It's, it's like you're not even a hardcore hunter. Oh, man, I scouted three days straight. So I had a great time. I had a lot of fun, great weekend. It just didn't involve loading the gun. <laughs> well, I loaded the gun, so I guess I beat you there. <laughs> yeah, I don't have any zeros. I don't have any zeros on my uh, freelance hunt stats. Uh, hunts. Yeah. Have you have you logged your hunts yet? No, I've thought about it. I need to get on there and do it. Start. It's, it's, it's very much more um, exciting to do it when you get a <laughs> get something to put in there, not just yeah the weather. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh. Logging zeros is not very does not there's not much uh energy for doing that but it's important it's a really important but 
those certainly are, there's no excitement in that. Yeah. So, um, kind of along those same lines with weather, you know, it's, it's starting to feel more like fall here with the weather getting cooler. It's kind of, it's really awesome to kind of be going into that. And, uh, my wife actually made uh, taco soup for dinner. So it's like another, excuse me, another fall food. So, um, definitely getting in the feeling of fall and hunting and it's, it's pretty awesome. What are the temperatures been there lately? I mean, getting in the morning around 50. So oh, man. in the afternoon, it's obviously it's a little warm, but you know, I'm just kind of, I like the morning better than the afternoon. What do you call a little warm out of curiosity? What's a little warm? Like seventies. Yeah. yeah. We've been still in the eighties and we have, I don't think we, I'm not sure we've had a single night in the fifties and, and, and I'm curious what you think on this. Really? Uh, yeah. Um, we get like 63s and 64s and those feel kind of nice, but it's a lot A 63 is way different than a 57. It's just way different. Uh, but mm-hmm. do you feel like our theory has always been here in Kansas when we get two or three nights in the fifties, the doves kind of head out. Um, the doves? Yeah, the dove kind of split um, when we get a few nights in the fifties. Do you see that at all? Or I know I know we do get up pushes with the weather, but um, I guess I haven't paid a ton of attention to um, them. For me, dove is like kind of like something that I hunt like two or three, maybe four times, mm-hmm. um, and then that's over so it's kind of just uh i guess i don't really look too much into the the weather and when they pass out or yeah. pass through the weird thing it two weird thing this is true with dove and with wood duck and it really baffles me it's like every year and i'm not a big dove hunter i used to be the we hunted dove a ton when i was growing up because my uh, uncle was a farmer and we always hunted him on these ponds And this one pond was just phenomenal i mean we just did just did so well there so we hunted him a lot and it, it seemed like you get a few nights in the 50s and the dove we had would leave, but they were never replaced. But I know mm. that there's dove up in Nebraska, up in South Dakota. And so I've never understood. It's like, why do they just disappear? Why aren't they being refilled? Like during a waterfowl season, you know, the the blue wings leave, green wings start to show up, gadwall, widgeon, pintail, mallards. It's a progression, you know. Uh, but with dove, it's just they're gone. And it's the same thing with wood duck as well. We have a lot of them on the side of the state late October, and then you get a front, and boom, they're just gone. It's like, where are the wood duck yeah. that are north of us? I've never, I've never understood it. Yeah, um, that is an interesting one um, for sure. I, I don't know if maybe there's a possibility of them possibly being more tied into the photo pattern as far as like the amount of daylight, um, the photo period of a day, and then that's kind of in sync with the cold front so um you know that cold front has felt kind of across the country generally um and so maybe they all when they get that cold front wherever they're at they just so the ones that are further north just end up flying further than the ones that are local to you they don't have as far to get down to texas i guess i mean that 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 theory makes more sense than anything else i can think of it always just feels like we're on the far northern end of these of these birds i mean like especially wood ducks we have a lot of wood ducks actually nest in kansas um they're about the only duck that does we get a a few blue wing teal and a few mallard but but wood duck more than anything but man once they're gone um you'll see a few here and there but it's just they disappear we've got a lot of wood duck and i don't shoot that many because they're just gone so fast it's a head scratcher yeah no for sure i, I definitely can I agree with you on that, that they kind of jump out of there. 
Um, but as to why, I'm, I guess I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not either. I would like to shoot more wood ducks. We, we I shoot about. I was looking through my records at Freelance Hunt Stats, and I shoot about the same number of pintails I do wood ducks, which is like one or two a year, um, which is not very many for the number yeah. we have. Because we've got a lot of woods on my side of the state. No, hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think they probably could be had if you put a little bit more uh, kind of emphasis on trying to find them. But they kind of—I feel like they're in the swamps and places you're not going to necessarily find the other ducks um, as often. So you can find a good wood duck hole that might not hold anything else. That's that's very very true. In fact, I I like wood duck a lot less than most waterfowlers that I know. I just I I appreciate their beauty, but I don't feel like they, for me at least, they're not very attentive to the call. They don't decoy very well, and I find them to be. I don't know. I'd much rather go after a different type of puddle duck. Yeah, definitely. I definitely would consider them um, akin to rats with wings. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> they, no. I'm going to get you in a lot of trouble here. I know. I have, I'll tell you guys, I know I've made some people upset with my rats with wings comments. And let me just clarify because I've had some. Overly irate individuals, um, which I didn't, you know, I, I'm sometimes I just joke around. I'm funny. And I, I will say that I do not like, do- I mean, is uh, ducks and doves are not even the same hemisphere with me as far as my love for them and desire to hunt them. But, you know, it's a little bit of tongue in cheek when I call them rats with wings. So let's not, you know, let's just realize they're joking around and nothing to take things too serious about guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I guess um, right now is probably a good point to jump into our hunts for sure. So. All right, but before we jump into that though, let's 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 talk about um, some of our partners. I think last podcast we kind of forgot to talk about Titus over there at Mid Valley Mercenary, the MVM podcast. I know they're they're stepping things up, and he's got a lot of content kicking out there. So if you guys enjoy what we have here. Titus at MVM is um, a part of the Flyways Collective, which at this point I hope that you know what that is. And you know, if you if you like what we've got going on, go check out his shows and and he's got a really good product over there. Also, don't forget to come over to Facebook and join us at Fellowship of the Duck Guns um, because the community continues to grow and all sorts of phenomenal conversations going on over there on Facebook. Yeah, awesome. So. Uh, Now a quick word from our partners, and we'll jump back into the podcast. Gunner's American-made dog boxes come with a lifetime warranty and the market's only CPS crash test certification. The guys over at Gunner Kennels have conducted major stress tests to show just how strong they really are, like applying 4,000 pounds of force, dropping a 630-pound hammer from 8 feet, and shooting it with a 12-gauge shotgun at 7 paces with no bullet penetration. Engineered for your dog and built for your peace of mind. Gunner doesn't cut any corners. Nothing comes close to the G1. Go to GunnerKennels.com and use code DuckGun10 at checkout for 10% off your next purchase. Alrighty, guys. I am super pumped to introduce you guys to a couple new partners this week on the podcast. The first one being Motion Duck Decoy Spreader and Jerk System. Um, it sets up in seconds. It's It, it creates incredible realistic decoy swimming motion and it really puts the birds at ease seeing that natural 
um, movement in your spread, you know, when they're coming in, uh, something that I'll definitely be using a lot this season. Um, you know, one of the big benefits is you have the birds swimming in a flock opposed to um, the straight line that you see in traditional jerk systems. Um, it's just a really cool system um, that's great for realistic motion. And you guys know Elliot and I harp on that a lot, um, saying you got to have motion, you got to have motion. That's something that we always are making sure we have, you know, especially on those windless days. It's just another great option to have to put in your tool bag. So they're giving us a great deal that we get to share with you guys. Um, if you guys use code DuckGun, all one word, um, you can get 10% off a free anchor bag and free shipping in the U.S., so definitely check that out. Also super excited to um, bring back a former partner that we had from last year, HGR Innovations, and HGR Innovations should be no stranger to you guys. Um, you've heard of us. You've heard us talk about them on the podcast many times, and a lot of you guys know that um, I work with them as well, so... Uh, definitely super pumped about that, but they have all American-made products. Um, America, their their motto is "Live American, Buy American, Die American." HGR Innovations is an American-made company providing American-made waterfowl products built by Americans for Americans. For those hardcore waterfowlers who are rugged and tough on equipment, look no further. From A-frames and gun stands to quack packs and layout pads, we build our products to last outlasting the competition with a backed five-year warranty on all our gear if you're into buying foreign made products then take a seat while we stand for american made gear up for your waterfowl needs this season at htrinnovations.com it's just that easy so big shout out to all of our partners um we couldn't do it without uh the support you know um giving us that support to help keep the lights on so if you guys are looking for a way to um support the podcast as well you know just just be sure to um check out our partners um we make sure to partner with people that are that are awesome and make quality products um so just be sure to check them out and let them know um, that you heard about them from our podcast Alrighty, let's jump back into the podcast on our hunts i guess uh for me let's let's go i'll go ahead and start with mine so i got i got a couple hunts to talk about um well i guess i got a couple groups and then you got your scouting so we'll, we'll kind of put that in between those two sound good to you yep i've got a couple days of scouting i actually went scouting three days one was pretty uneventful so you know i could break it into two if that's what you meant um okay yeah we'll start we'll start with me and then we'll jump with you in the middle okay so um all right so first first week i got going on um first thing i had going on was going up to michigan mission again opens up september 1st so it was great to kind of get a head start on um the goose and teal hunting and it was just for me it was finding which one i was going to do and got invited out by um kevin so um went up there and hunted up with them um but we had and he doesn't even know this yet, so I'll, if he's listening or uh, watching this, then he'll find out now. But I had a little bit of an un, <laughs> um, un what, what's the right word for it? Uh, <laughs> unfortunate situation um, that came from that. So the way we hunted was actually in the HDRA frame blinds. And so when I got there, pitch black in the woods, and we're brushing it in. <laughs> so it turned out I was brushing the blind with poison ivy leaves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go. I cannot even believe I forgot about this. We talked about it today, and I totally forgot about it. 
oh my gosh. good thing so you didn't just egg it on all the time but here i we would are, have so i would have brought it up with josh oh my gosh yeah i was like go on go on go ahead yeah so anyways i didn't know it at the time um i did so later on i did like i, I walked over to where we were brushing and i'm like man there's poison ivy in there let's just just hope i didn't touch any of it and uh <laughs> so now the bad part is it's like all in the blind so i'm gonna have to figure out a way to get it off without like <laughs> <laughs> contracting it again or every time I go duck hunting out of you the brush the entire blind with poison ivy <laughs> <laughs> it's not as bad as it's, it was mostly tall grass but there was like poison ivy vines going through it or like plants and you know it's just pitch black and so you can't really tell you're just grabbing clumps and going as fast as you can because you're kind of racing till uh till shooting light so you know I'm in there I'm just grabbing grass grabbing like pulling out handfuls of of weeds and <laughs> mixed in with poison ivy of course so um yeah so to kind of we'll, we'll get to the rest of the hunt later but um to jump back to the poison ivy so i kind of i got it like i don't know if you can tell elliot but i got it like on my forehead and it's like behind my ears like right now it's like burning from the headphones and it's like oh i can't i can't my, see it at all Okay, well, it's there. You're just going to have to trust me. Yeah, I trust you. Know. you. I'm touching it. But anyways, yeah, it's it's I got like little spots on my nose, like behind my ears. It's like around my neck. and like. Um, but I was wearing gloves. I think that's one thing that saved me. But when you're doing that, and like I said, it's still pretty warm. Um, and so I, I, I was working up a sweat, and you know, with gloves on. You're, you're kind of wiping the sweat off your head. Um but yeah, so <laughs> ended up getting it all over me. So where, where, where did you get it? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, uh, it's on my balls again. <laughs> oh my gosh! I know. <laughs> so I actually, have so much to say. I've got so much to say. Well, okay. So you might, I know you have so much to say, but you might wonder how that happens, right? Well, anyway, I think I've got I mean, a pretty good idea. <laughs> oh, how it happens. We get, I get there from a two-hour drive. We brush in the blind, and then the first thing I do is go pee in the woods after that. So <laughs> <laughs> it's just, oh, I couldn't, I cannot believe. It. So when that started, to, like that was the first thing that you know showed signs of there being <laughs> something not right with me. And then you know, soon after that, uh, patches just showing up everywhere. Um, but yeah. But don't worry, you're not the only one that laughed. So I went to the doctor today to get my steroid shot. And when I told him that, it was actually the nurse because they asked you, like, oh, where's it at? I'm like, well, it's, you know, it's on my face. It's on my eyelid. I got, like, a little bit right here. And it's like, <laughs> um, and I'm like, and it's, uh, you know, and downstairs. <laughs> and she just, <laughs> and she just, could, and she's like, I know I shouldn't be, but I'm laughing. I'm like, <laughs> like, thanks. So, yeah, I got the steroid shot now, so I should be good. I have number one. I have I have personally never met anyone that's got poison ivy on their balls, but I certainly have not anyone that's gotten poison ivy on their balls twice um, within a two month period of time. <laughs> oh man, that's a streak. Well, one has to ask themselves how much, how often do you have your hands <laughs> down your pants? Well, every time I pee. <laughs> You seem to uh, when you come here to Kansas, I'm just gonna kind of keep an eye on uh, how many times your hands are down your pants and just see it's right. like 
We're gonna have to <laughs> get edit all this out or something. Because <laughs> you're getting poison ivy down there a lot. <laughs> Trust me, it's not by choice. Ah, <laughs> oh, it's great to be immune to poison ivy. I gotta say. Yeah, I guess it's. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so that's the unfortunate part of the hunt. Um, all, all things considered, but uh, I think that was yeah. my highlight of your hunt. I, that's my favorite uh, part. Yeah. When you texted me, you got poison ivy. I just sent a text back. It's like on your balls again. It was like silence. I'm like, really? I was just joking. <laughs> I didn't think there was any chance that that had happened twice to you. <laughs> just silence. I'm like, really? Are you kidding me again? <laughs> mm, yeah. Okay. Right. So yeah, that's the story. Um, but yeah. So let's let's uh, kind of jump back to the hunt, and so, um, yeah. So the hunting didn't on it honestly didn't go much better. I mean, honestly, it was awesome to be back that back out there hunting. Um, but um, we set up on this big lake, and there's a bunch of geese using it, but uh, nothing ever flew in. It was one of those days. It rained, it poured on us, and then um, the geese flew out super late to feed, and then we left about. 1230 started packing up you know one something and we never had geese fly back in there so it was kind of one of those things where it was not like a surefire thing and, and early season geese really never is um just because they're locals they have tons of options they know where everything is but they never worked in so um that was unfortunate but you know that's how it goes in early season but while we were hunting we uh uh one of kevin's buddies called him up and told him hey we uh we got this field and um same thing he was out hunting with his two kids and uh he's out hunting with his two kids out in a wheat field that just got picked and they had geese kind of dumping in on them um they shot three of them and one of them was banded so pretty cool experience for him and his kid um his kids but uh the other thing with that um well they left because of the rain so his his two kids 10 and 8 um you know with the rain and all that it was kind of a little much for them, so they left about 8.30. But he said, like, the geese were still piling in on them while they are trying to pack up and get out of there. So he's like, hey, we should go back and hunt this tomorrow. And I'm like, man, that, that does sound pretty promising. So I ended up making the drive back out there. And so it was like two mornings in a row I got up at 3, which I know I let you get up at midnight or whatever <laughs> all the time for your hunting. Um, but, you know, we went out there for the second day out in this picked wheat field. Um but there's tons of wildlife out there. We had deer out there. There was uh, um, sandhill cranes. There was just crows. Everything feeding on there. Dove, turkey flying out of the trees. So it was just like an awesome field to be in with all the wildlife kind of um, going through there. And we even, you know, so the way the hunt went was we had a group come in. And it was super bright, bluebird day. And then it switched to foggy, which was super weird. Fog rolled in. And then it went back to super uh, bright, bluebird day, which um, from my experience hunting geese, they don't fly in either of those conditions. Um, they like to sit on the roost for a lot longer. So we ended up hunting until, oh, I don't know, it was 10, 30, 11 o'clock. And we just had one group come in. The short, short stopped us at 80 yards. And then we waited about 30, 40 minutes, decided to spook them off and clear it for other birds. And right when we decided to do that, we had um, another flock of geese come up. And um, I don't know if they saw us for sure or not, um, but they they never worked in the field. So I think they might have. Or either that or they just followed all the birds that were leaving. So 
but yeah, uh, it was definitely cool to be out there. But you know, I definitely want to get on some birds here soon. Yeah, I I just watched when I got them from work today. I watched your video and I really really enjoyed it. I liked the little music interlude you had in there, and and sometimes those hunts that are slow or you don't do well are still you can transfer a very peaceful feel in a video to allow um, the viewer to experience those moments that we've all had where you're out there, you're having a good time. You know, I saw people were cooking things in the blind at some point and you're seeing this wildlife. And even though that you're not, that's the moment in which I think defines you as, you know, like I'm not a kill dependent hunter. I can still enjoy this. I can still have a good time. Sure. I'm disappointed that we didn't have success because that's what we're doing. But, but there's so much still to be gained from a hunt like that where you're just soaking it all in and you're actually hunting for the first weekend since, you know, February. And, and I thought you did yeah. a great job of translating the whole experience of that hunt. Hmm. Well, well, thank you. I think I should have brought binoculars though. Cause, uh, there was so much wildlife to look at. Um, yeah. which is always a plus, you know, just kind of being in that stuff and around it and, you know, as duck hunters, you know, a lot of times it's like you said, people think that for us, it's, it's all about killing animals and all that, but it's really not, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's definitely part of hunting, but it's not end all be all for sure. Yeah, no, we, we certainly want to be successful. We work really hard at it and everything, but can you still enjoy yourself when you're not successful? And I think the answer to, for both of us is yes. I know for me, when it starts dragging on and it's hunt after hunt after hunt after hunt, certainly I get discouraged and frustrated because we want to have success. But, um, you know, there's a lot of wonderful experiences to be had that have nothing to do with pull the trigger. Yep. So, um, I guess, yeah, let's go ahead and uh, hit on what you got going on for your scouting. You know, for me, this is kind of like a um, little update into what I'm going to see coming up here soon so what what uh you have in store what what do you find out with your scouting well let's start off by my um uh, just communication scouting because where you're going to be hunting i can't physically scout now it's it's out west and and i'm in communication with golden boy who's scouting and the area manager biologist he's a friend of mine i'm in contact with him and and you know during the summer i was really really worried um, about the teal season because I was just like, man, they had literally like 10 floods at this marsh. Now these, these marshes don't hold water. That's the difference between a marsh and like a reservoir where we're going to be hunting is just a marsh complex. So they don't hold water where a reservoir, there's so much water there that they have to end up holding it because if they let it go, then it goes down the rivers and creates havoc. So they have to hold it. But at marshes, the floods come through and leave pretty quick. And um, I, I was extremely concerned by the amount of flooding that they were having where we're going to be hunting on the opener. But slowly the reports are getting better and better and better and better and to the point now where the conditions are every bit as good as they were last year. And we absolutely had the teal season of our life. And considering what the surrounding areas of the state are going to be, I fully anticipate there being a lot of birds to kill there now from now until um in fact i'm gonna look it up again while i'm right here on the weather because right now which is really fun i'm i'm getting to look at the 10-day forecast and starting to look in towards 
our hunt weekend and there are not very many we've got a lot of heat from now till then and not much north wind days so um i'm a little concerned about that however i would say even if we were to hunt down there we could go there right now and have a good hunt um for the number of birds that they have there but i certainly would like they're they're saying about five about 500 birds down there and i'd like to see about two to three to five thousand uh, but everything's looking great and I fully anticipate us to have a great weekend with our wives because they're coming with us to the, to the lodge and then a great both day, great hunting as well. So I think the stage is set for us to do really, really well. Awesome. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Uh, what I don't, I keep, I know I've asked this before. What time approximately are you and the wife planning on or about midday? Yeah, I think so. Probably. Yeah. It might be a little later than that, but um, yeah, it the just depends. Earlier, the better. I'm going to try to hit there around noon. You know, if you could hit there between noon and one thirty would be great because that would allow us a couple hours of scouting, but yet then be able to get home and because we want to have a nice dinner with the wives and stuff. So, um, yep, that would be great. So, but I, I think it's going to, I think it's going to be just phenomenal. Now this past weekend, I was, I was trying to, to put on a dove hunt Sunday on the opener Sunday evening. And I had been in contact with my farmer friend, the Heim, who's pretty much a, a superhero in my mind. I mean, this guy's just a stud and um, he's like, well, but he doesn't exactly hunt. So he told me he was going out of town, but he told me where to go scout on his farm. And I went out there and scouted Friday night and it was just like, I'm not hunting this. It's like completely worthless basically. So the dove hunt, the dove um, hunt was over, and I decided to do, to scout. So now this was, I'm really at this point scouting for the second weekend of teal um, season. First weekend we're going out there west. Second weekend I'm going to stay here around my local areas. And like I was mentioning, the reservoirs versus the marshes, um, where I teal hunt around here are marshes on a reservoir. So for those of you that are not familiar. Um, here in this state, we have a lot of man-made reservoirs, and the, and they they built these reservoirs from like the teens up until the last one was 1985 here in the state, and they're just trying to control water and create rec recreational sources. So they want to be able to control flooding on the Kansas and the Missouri River. So most of our marshes here um, around reservoirs are on the upside of the lake as the river flows in, because what happens is. Um, you've got an inflow river that goes into the reservoir and a lot of the area upstream is dry. But then as the reservoir gets filled with, filled with rainwater, a lot of these marshes fill. And they will also put in pumping systems to fill some of these areas. So you just have a lot of marshes in that area. And they're really, really good here in Kansas of planting millet and sometimes corn. And, and so they try to get as much duck food during the off season as they possibly can by draining these marshes um, after the northward migration, planting them and then slowly flooding them. And it's really, really important how they flood these things. You can't just flood a marsh. It's got to be in stages because seeds come out at certain times. And depending on how much water you raise, it'll grab the seeds and release them into the water so there's a whole science to when and how you flood a marsh well early may um up in i'm sure you guys all heard about the floods up in nebraska and, and kansas didn't get as much publicity for them but the missouri river and the kansas river have been completely inundated with flood water since right on early may and our reservoirs around here have been anywhere between 10 to 20 foot high 
um, since May 1st. So there's all of the marshes right now are under, I'd say, seven, eight, nine feet of water. So there's absolutely no duck food, everything. You can't even scout. I mean, even scouting is really, really hard around these reservoirs because you go out there and there is water everywhere. So even, even if you scout right now, right now they're dumping water out. So in two weeks, you, we could lose five, six feet and your entire scout is just worthless. So, I mean, the, the duck season right now here, not just in this part of the state, pretty much throughout the entire state, um, is really something I've never, ever dealt with before. So like I said, even knowing how to scout is an issue. But my dad went out and there's, there's several marshes around that are not quite as close to the lake as possible that have not been affected as much as, as some of the other marshes. So we, we got out there and did a bunch of walking around, my dad and I did, and we found one marsh we were really, really happy with. Um, has, you know, lots of smart wheat in it, lots of seed production. Um, it was, but the problem with that marsh is it's like, it's not that hidden and everyone else can find it too. So I'm anticipating there's just going to be an overabundance of people there, but it was a beautiful marsh, um, lots of seed plants in it. I found a second marsh that I scouted and you know, it looked okay, but there's no seed bearing plants or anything. So honestly, like I was saying on the last podcast, um, I'm really, really scared of for November here in the state. Um, at least this side of the state. Um, not the flyways collective thing is going to be out west, and I feel very confident in that area. But um, I'm I don't know what to expect. I think November is going to be really, really difficult. It's going to be something that we've never experienced. We've I've never seen any any of these lakes be in flood stage for. We're talking. We're going to be pushing half a year mm. where with this kind of flooding. So I don't know. I have no idea what the season's going to bring. It's going to be interesting for sure. But it was fun. It was great to get out in the marsh and just float around in the kayaks. And I had a fantastic time doing it. Yeah. That's good. So, I mean, at least you, you found at least leads to kind of help guide you. I know everything's probably going to change as soon as, as soon as season starts and guns start being shot. The birds change their pattern. But as long as you kind of know um, which marshes and all that are kind of holding the food and where you can hopefully find them, then you should be in good you know, at least a head start. Yeah. I, yeah. We found that one pool that looks great. I was surprised we even found that. And, um, you know, there's some, there are some areas that are a little bit harder to get to with the kayak and everything. So right now, as far as the second week in a teal season, the plan is probably just a blind hunt, just a hunt blind by that. I mean, without any further scouting, just go out and do it. Um, because at worst case scenario, it's a beautiful place. It's going to be a beautiful sunrise. I'm going to be drinking coffee. I'm going to be off probably uh, the week after two fantastic hunts with you and Ben is what I'm, I feel like we'll have. So I'll have fun. No matter. And I was talking to my friend about this the other day. Um, and this is a bad part of all the videos and the making content and everything. Before I started FDH, um, I was to the point in my hunting career where I didn't, I wasn't even really, I work way harder now at finding ducks than I did before I was filming because there's, for the content and everything, it's so much more important to be successful. But before FDH started, I was to the point where I was just enjoying it. I, I mean, 
Now, if I went lots of hunts in a row without shooting ducks, I would start getting bummed out. But on a hunt to hunt basis, I was truly just soaking up the experience and really not worrying about what we shot and didn't shoot. And now there's, you know, with the podcast, there's so much more pressure now. And that's, it's certainly a downside of it. And it's something that I'm trying to just shrug off, but you know, it's, it's important for, for everything I've got going that we have a decent amount of success. And, and, and with that, I've kind of regressed on the hunting stages a little bit, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I think, uh, yeah, no, it's definitely an interesting way to look at it too, for sure. Um, but you can definitely tell we're on different stages on the, the hunting chart. You know, I've been doing it a lot less, um, you know, as far as time goes, you've been doing it for 27 years is what you said. Yeah. Right. And I've been doing it for, uh, this is my fourth season, I believe. So, mm-hmm. you know, a big difference there as far as, you know, that, and I'm, I'm almost on the opposite where I just, all I want to do is find the birds and like, but it's not the biggest thing. Like I, you know, I think we're similar once we get on the hunts, but as far as, you know, I do want to find the birds. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So. I, I, that's what, that's really what it's, what it's about. And I think part of it is, you know, I mean, after you've pulled the trigger X amount of times and you've seen birds drop X amount of X amount of times that, that, it's hard to say this because I get so excited when I'm killing birds. I feel myself saying something <laughs> like, hold on. I am, I, I don't get me wrong. I am so driven to see shoot and, and harvest ducks that certainly that is very important to me. There's, there's no doubt about it because it's, I just love it so much. And when I see when I'm on a hunt where it doesn't look like it's going to be very good, and then all of a sudden things start changing. Have you ever been on a hunt like that where you're kind of like, man, this isn't going well. And then all of a sudden it's like, maybe you'll find the birds or they just start doing it the way you want to. The excitement that I get inside is almost overwhelming. <laughs> so I, I can't misportray yeah. my emotions because they're very intense and strong around success yeah. for sure. Yeah, no, I definitely agree. Um, you know, it kind of, you kind of, you talking about that made me think of something that's kind of related, but not exactly. But I just want, kind of wanted to share it, and um, I want to see if I can find his first name real quick. But um, I think you probably saw it today too. But he tagged us both, and along with some other people as well. But um, I want to find his first name real quick. But he doesn't have his name on there anyway. Um, but there's a fella, and he just got into waterfowling. He's a new waterfowl hunter, and his story was last year he went out. And he didn't even kill a single bird. And so he's been watching the videos, watching um, or listening to the podcast. And he's been, you know, he's been paying attention to a couple other ones as well. Um, But um, it's just really cool to see because um, he said through the scouting and learning from the videos and the YouTube and stuff that he was able um, this week to shoot his first duck ever as a blue wing tail. So, you know, just a really cool story. And, you know, hearing little stories like that um, and kind of being able to reflect on my myself, and it wasn't really that long ago I was in a similar situation, um, you know, 11 hunts until I got my first bird um, doing it on my own. And he's the same way. He, he didn't have anybody to teach him. He's just learning from YouTube and um, from podcasts. Uh, so it's just a really cool story. Did, did you see that as well, Elliot? Yes, I did. That was wonderful. That's a okay. great part of that whole community. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, you know, we always sometimes we say this, there's 
the negatives about social media, but him being able to share that with us, you know, that honestly just made my day to hear a story like that. And, you know, kind of reminded me of, you know, going out there on my first duck and like kind of having flashback memories of it falling through the trees after I shot it and landing right next to me. And, you know, I'm sure there was a lot of excitement in his story when he, uh, or in his hunt when he got that first bird. So I cannot remember my first clean kill duck. I cannot remember it. Really? Mm Mm-mm. I remember uh, the first two. I don't know if I ever told that this this uh, the other part of the story, um, which you know, getting on it was like the tenth hunt out of eleven. And actually, um, I'm not sure who shot at me. And one of my buddies went on the hunt. It's actually um, he went on the second hunt with me as well. But uh, it was his first hunts too. And we had a flock of mallards come in, and uh, he, um, we were both using both of my shotguns. Had the Satori under over and the A5. And, you know, this flock comes in, about seven of them, these green heads, and it just almost looks like an alien creature. You're not used to seeing them or, um, or watching them cup right in, but they just cupped right in there and um, pop, 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 well shot, and fell in the river. And Chief was a little six-month-old dog and had almost zero training. I'm like, Chief, jump in there and get it. And he's, he's like, what? And so he didn't. And and uh, the boat, or the, we didn't have a boat or anything. You can see how um, unprepared and... Uh, I guess ill prepared we were to think that somehow we'd be able to tr- retrieve this this duck, and even to this day it had been a hard a hard retrieve for uh, a veteran dog because it was in swift current mm-hmm. on a river, and we shot it down, and you know it was it was winged or wounded, and you know uh, pretty unfortunate, but um, yeah, that'd be the first duck that I was a part of being shot, and I don't know if I shot it or my buddy. I, I kind of think my buddy shot it. Um, just because I didn't see it fall, but the next day was when I shot my first duck and it, and it fell right through the trees and landed right next to me. So what was a little it? off topic? What, what, what was, was it? Mallard. Nice. They both were mallards, but green head. We actually had, it just had a flock. They came over. They didn't even really decoy in. It was a passing shot, passed overhead at like 20 yards. And yeah. Yeah. So Pretty cool. a little different topic. Did, did you, um, try the band were you wearing the banded waders your first hunt there um no because we weren't weren't really getting in the water at all oh you didn't have you didn't have your waders on at all probably should have though downpoured or stayed dry yeah (laughs) i'll tell you i wore my banded um what are they called uh (laughs) 2.0 give me the name of them red zone 2.0 red zone 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 2.0 i wore them scouting all weekend it was hot and man I've always just worn neoprene. I've, and I did have a pair of um, some lighter ones of years ago, but pretty much I've always worn neoprene. And those things are so comfortable. You can just, like Chris Jobman from Flatlanders was talking about how they'll just put them on the beginning of the morning and wear them into Walmart and stuff. And I totally get it now. I mean, they're just, they're comfortable like just a pair of coveralls. They are so comfortable, man. Nice. Yeah, I definitely agree. No, I heard online that they were saying that the boots are too small. And the things that people don't understand, it's not the boots are too small. The boots are actually made like regular <laughs> boots. too big. No, but the boots are actually like normally you get neoprene waders and you get like size 11 or 12. And they're like you have these huge, massive clown shoes on your feet, right? Well, yeah. these are actually form fitted. So it's like putting on a boot. So when you normally you're used to normally put on waders, you just your feet slide right into them, right? The problem with that is your feet also come right out when you're in mud where these these banded boots you have to actually pull them on because they're they kind of fit you like actual boots 
and yeah. I'm in love with them so far. I, I they were so comfortable, and and I'm I'm thrilled about them. Yeah, and I haven't I haven't had as much experience yet. I've tried them on, obviously, but um, this next these next hunts I will be for sure. So. Yeah, I had them on three days in a row for all three scouts. I guess I should talk about my third scout. I'm I, I'm so I don't know if I've told you I'm hunting the Missouri opener this week. Um, all right. And I was contacted by a friend of mine. He's like a couple weeks ago. He's like I scouted this place out. He sent me a picture. He's like there's teal in there. Let's go scout it on Memorial Day and see what's going on. So we got out there and scouted it, and we'd had a bunch of rain, and it had gone from, like, ankle-deep to waist-deep water. So there was no teal in there at all. We spent <clears throat> So we were driving around half the day on Saturday looking for other places to possibly teal hunt. Didn't see a single teal all morning. and So that's why I've been telling you. It's like I fully anticipate my first hunt of the year to be a skunk. I would be surprised if I pulled the trigger, honestly. Because I, well, I just think it's going to be terrible. Well, hopefully you're uh, pleasantly surprised then. <laughs> well, I'm almost thinking about not even buying a Missouri license and just going and filming it. I mean, it's like 80 to 100 bucks, And I'm like, maybe oh, wow. I should just go and film. He's got his gun. I'll film. I don't know if I... That's the best chance of him having success, is me not buying a license and then going. Because then you know it's going to yeah. be good because I'm not going to be able to shoot, but... <laughs> I don't know. It's going to be fun regardless. And I'm learning some Missouri spots, but so yeah, I had my, I had my banded waiters on Friday, Saturday or Saturday, Sunday and Monday. Your, my days. opinion is you should just get the license. It'll open you like, you're not like you, it opens up some doors for different yeah. opportunities for you. Yeah. If you just have it and you won't even consider it later in the season. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. And he's showing me some Missouri areas I didn't know about. And um, we've already talked and about then, you can drive all the way up to the northeast corner of Missouri, and I'll drive there too, and we'll meet in the middle. And I wonder, have, how, um, I wonder we, how far that is for you. We could get a Missouri skunk. <laughs> I wonder how I'm. I'm really. I'm really not that far from the far northeast corner of. Or you say northeast? Is that what you said or northwest? I said northeast. Oh, yeah. northeast. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know how much that would do, but you know three hours makes a big difference for me yeah, going from for sure eight to five you know you can do that in the evening just put the word out and see if we can get someone to help us out <laughs> i think you just did <laughs> yeah yeah i've kind of put some feelers out for this coming weekend i, I like contact you i was like yeah you went to nebraska i was like you got anything going on up there <laughs> for this weekend yeah. i don't know it's nice. gonna be rough man but i'm gonna be hunting that's all i know i'm gonna be hunting Yep, definitely out there and ready to go. So, um, I guess I'll share real quick. Um, I went out for some dove, actually. Um, I got so bummed out from, you know, not shooting anything opener. I'm like, I'm not going to get skunked. And so I went out and shot um, a few dove, uh, dove opener out at a little farm. But man, so <laughs> there's a little bit more of the story. So, the day before I went out, like any good hunter should do, and pattern out some um, ammo. And so I was patterning out boss shot shell, went through my chokes, got done, um, you know, patterned great, and then go out to um, goose hunt. And then I got back from that, you know, didn't fire a shot, but then I went for dove. Anyways, like there's just, I walk through this field and there's just dove everywhere, right? And I got, I got out there pretty late just because by the time I got home and showered and dressed again and ready to go, 
Um, it was kind of late into the evening. But anyways, I walk through the field, and I'm just, like, busting dove up everywhere. It's a... Uh, so it's like perfect, right? And I get out there and I set up the mojo and I set up the doves and uh <laughs> and like the first few flying I mean they literally were like landing and in the in the set like you couldn't ask for it better but I couldn't hit a stinking shot. <laughs> and and oh, I was no. getting so I was getting so frustrated. Well, about halfway through after I was like I don't even know. <laughs> uh, I, it's, a, it's embarrassing to say, but I don't even know how many shots I was in. But um, I realized that when I patterned my shotgun, I never switched out my choke. And like I'm like you, I, I keep modified in, like exclusively, just don't change it. So I don't even think about it. But I left my full choke in, so I literally have Dove like hovering over the mojo at seven yards, and I have this full choke in. It's just like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty frustrating. And so sure enough, switch out my choke, first shot, bam, dead. Dead dove. I'm like, okay. And so, yeah, I had a few fly in there and um, after that, and I did pretty okay on my shooting. I think I missed one one or two after that, but it was just frustrating that that was the reason why. So were you using the sixes, Boss sixes? Um, Yeah. Le- uh, steel, right? Or steel, bismuth. They, they, they <laughs> yeah. only, they make any, that's all they make is bismuth, right? Uh, that's what they get currently. Yeah, yeah, Honestly, yeah. it's way overkill for Dove, and um, you know, I I probably won't use any more for Dove. Then, how, how did how did your patterning go? What 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 did you did you only pattern with a modified or full? What what did you learn with the pattern? No, no, I patterned all the, all the chokes um, at thirty yards, and I did it for um, that and the Satori. So I haven't like done the numbers. All I could do is I, I've. I need to go and count them up and stuff, but I was able to see kind of what was hitting and in the circle, you know. And what um, was your what was your takeaway just from your first impression without really looking at it? Um, I mean, it looks it looked good. So Mo- as far what, as like pattern density, modified looked better than a full or what? Well, I mean, obviously in like a a, a thirty inch circle, um, the most is full for sure because it's tight the tightest pattern. But then beyond that, it um they didn't all hit in the 30 inch circle. Like when I did improve modified and modified, um, well, hold on, hold on, wait, 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 hold on. What, what distances were you doing back up a little? What dis- 30 yards, 30 yards. Cause it, I mean, at 30 yards and improved should, should have a better, um, distribution than a full should at 30. yards. Um, I mean, it was wider than 30, a 30 inch circle. Okay. So if that makes sense. Yeah. So in, in the, in the 30 inch circle at 30 yards, the full looked better than the modified. Yeah, yeah. Because that because with like steel it, that wouldn't be the case. The, that shouldn't be the case. Um, I would have to do side by side comparisons, but no, just just to kind of you know give it like the brief overview. Um, again, not counting the pellets, but at first glance, it would look like in the thirty inch circle that um, that there's more pellets in a full choke than modified because it's spread um, further apart, so mm-hmm. it spreads out further than thirty inches. If that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it shouldn't. I, I mean, steel wouldn't. Steel would be with a modified steel would be pretty much at its best um, between about twenty five and thirty five. I believe is where a yeah. modified would be at its very best. Yeah. No, I definitely would like to do side by side and kind of compare it um, mm-hmm. for my own sake because I don't want to take anybody else's word for it i'll just take my own so 
um, you know, I think it's, yeah, if I can do a side-by-side comparison and do the same thing, three-inch um, number fours with steel and kind of see what the pattern looks like to see the difference. Because I guess I, I don't, it's kind of too early for my own testing to know exactly what's going to look like what right now. Mm-hmm. All I know is kind of just what I, what I shot on that day yeah. as far as, um, you know, and I don't have a side-by-side with the steel yet. Yeah, cause that, because that's what, you know, everyone's saying with these heavier metals, you need to choke up more um, because well, if patterns it's, out if it's softer, yeah, then it's it compresses softer, more. heavier metals. Yeah, you know. yeah. So then your choke, if this restricted, everything's compressed through it anyway, so it's not as tight. Because I really want to stick with a modified, just because I, just because I just don't like the idea of shooting <laughs> a full. But I mean, if I get out and pat, I know when when um, Dan and I did patterning <clears throat> with, we did federal or uh, yeah, federal versus. Um, one of the heavy metals. I don't remember. I think it was heavy metal. And um, we did, we tried to compare the two. And at that point I had, I did not realize that there was this issue with um, heavier types of metals to where the it's, and it's more than just a flyer or two. It's like the entire radius spreads out faster with these heavier metals because of all the uh, banging that you have and dimpling of the individual shots. And so it was a head scratcher when Dan and I were doing the difference between the steel and the heavy metal, because the pattern, the, uh, <clears throat> shell, the uh, shot distribution was so different and it spread out so much quicker with these heavier metals that I didn't understand it. So, um, I really want to get a, some patterning test done, um, with this boss before I do a lot of shooting with it, because if I do need to go up to a full choke to get my ideal radius between really 20 and 35 yards is really what I want it to be at its maximum. Um, you know, I'd like to get that done. Maybe we can do that on that weekend that we're together somehow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure we can, we can probably find some time do it after dinner or something. Um, but yeah, Definitely, I need to do some more testing of myself, um, especially when I get my my 12 gauge back from um, the warranty work. Yeah. So, um, kind of uh, uh, finish this up. Um, I guess what are, what plans you got coming um, as far as next weekend? I guess you kind of talked about it. You got your Missouri I'm going thing into coming. Missouri. Yeah, I'm going into Missouri. Um, we're hunting an area I've never been to, but we scouted it, and it's a really unique area. It's got a lot of um, flooded timber in it. And there's one hole in there that's that you cannot get to by foot because it's surrounded by deep water. So our our plan is it's surrounded by timber and willows to where he tried to get into it with a boat from the main lake and he couldn't because the willows were too thick and you can't walk to it from the other other direction. So our plan is to try the teal in the morning. If there's just nothing flying, then we're going to take and turn it into a scouting trip. And we're going to take our, our kayaks and dig in there and um, um, really find this hole and and do a bunch of scouting. And it'll just be fun being out there. And then from then on, you know, I've got my big move into my new house on the 11th. And then I'll be seeing you on the 13th. Awesome. Sounds like you get it all scheduled out, figured out what, what's going when. So. Yep. And from there, I'm just going to do, we'll have a bunch of scouting of that place done by my dad and Golden Boy, but then I want, I certainly want to get you out and just show you around on Friday, um, just show you the area. Sweet. I'm definitely excited for that. 
So um, the only thing I got in between there is uh, next weekend, definitely going out this coming weekend for some hunts up in Michigan again. Um, but I have a couple options here um, for what I'm going to hunt. Um, and I know what I'm going to hunt on Sunday. There, I've gotten invited out there um, by Ryan, and, and uh, it's going to be... Um, <laughs> we got something going on over there, Elliot? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> I accidentally activated a YouTube video on my phone. All right. So, um, yeah, so next weekend, yeah, with Sunday, I'll be going out with Ryan. Um, he's got something scouted out in this marsh, um, some teal out there and some geese. So I'm excited for that hunt. Um, and I had considered it hunting that on Saturday as well. But, um, you know, there is a chance that um, I might hunt with Kevin on Saturday again. Um, he, he texted me today and said they had a field that they'd been seeing some birds work in so i kind of have some options going in but I, I do know that i will be going out there and i'm honestly i think i'm gonna camp too over the weekend um you know because i'm going far enough up, up there that it's you know quite a haul back so yeah should be good either way i'm excited to get out there and keep hammering and grinding after the birds so yep it's here but yeah uh, here for sure falls here seasons here just need it to cool down a little bit and get some birds in the set and we'll be all good to go so any last words nope i'm just i'm ready for it all to start i'm tired of waiting i just <laughs> i'm just ready i'm ready to get into this new house of mine get all that done and get season going and i'm just ready to go man awesome all right, well, that's all we got for this week. Uh, thanks again for joining us for another hunt update. And just, uh, you know, probably to wrap this up, um, you know, we got a lot of new listeners, and this is a little bit different than our regular format. Honestly, this might should have been at the beginning, but our hunt update series, we're going to do this once a week. We're going to talk you through all of our hunts, the woes, the goods, the, the bads, everything in between, all of our hunts, and so you guys can follow along the journey, um, as well as we, we film them all and put them up on YouTube. So, Anytime you see or hear anything interesting on these, um, you know, feel free to jump over there and, and check out the videos as well. So um, definitely uh, a kind of fun way to journal and talk about our hunting season all the way from start to finish. So that's all we got for today. I'm Jordan, Duck Gun Chronicles, Elliot from Freelance Duck Hunting, and we'll see you guys on the next one.